mental health. Anita, mental health. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. All right. How you guys doing today? Now, this is, has been um, your first week of getting to school, correct? And what I'm going to be sharing today, you're only going to be on the stage for a few minutes. Uh, I want to ask you just a question in general in regards to your first week in school. And I know you and I have talked. You have talked with me when you got home from school. And uh, how many of those kids have challenges as well as adults do? And uh, we're going to be doing a, a, a series on mental health for the entire family. Just In fact, confirm, yeah. Like to call Bishop <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that, babe, please. Yeah. Everything dealing with mental health is challenging today. <laughs> Tell you that he, we're going to get through this. I had about an hour conversation of battle with my daughter, Anita, who's in the profession of dealing with mental health. And um, I, I want to. Let's go to the slide of the topic we're going to be dealing with for this entire series. We're talking about mental health, family series. We're talking about the mental health of children, which we start today. Next week, mental health of mother slash wife. Uh, and I say mother slash wife because you may be a mother without a husband. Uh, if you're a mother with a husband, be wife. So we're going to do a combination of dealing with those things that we deal with. And then we're going to deal with the mental health of fathers and slash husband. In fact, I'm going to start next Sunday talking about the, the father and husband, mental health. Uh, often when you hear the word mental health, everybody's for some reason confused with mental illness. Mental health and mental illness are two different arenas. In order for the church to get an understanding of what people face day by day, you have to understand their health and the way they think. How many do we all think differently? I've learned this morning there's the subculture within the culture. That means there are things happen in a culture that is not of the whole culture because sometimes if you say a person that may um, have some challenges in life as a man, somehow you category all men as being sorry. You ever heard that? People say men are sorry. No, you, you just got with a sorry man, but all men are not sorry. Uh, all women are not, you know, sorry. You just got with the wrong woman that was sorry. Because that was the sorry folks. Tell you there's some sorry folks. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. But I was um, asking the Lord, how would you want me to address such a sensitive topic, but a need for topic? And in our culture, uh, in, our, um, in our race of people, people of color, we don't always deal with issues as we should. We don't address the dynamics that people face. How many know we all got dynamics? Uh, I experienced a dynamic last night uh, in a program that I was at, but you know, God brought me through it. Uh, and I apologize to all you that went with me. <laughs> we all suffered together in Jesus' name. Uh, you have to bend down to understand what I'm talking about. So these individuals here are from... What grade you in, La La? Kindergarten. And Trey, what grade you in? Your mic is on? Make sure your mic is on. It's, it's on, okay. What grade you in? Talking to Mike. Talking to Mike, please. What grade you in? It's on. Is the mic on? Yeah. What grade you in? 
Say it in the mic. There you go. All right. We always get shy on the stage, but at home, we's a whole nother level. You know, I had to call and say, y'all get off live stream. And Kendall, uh, what, what grade are you in? She's in 11. The mic is low. I, I, I found myself doing Kendall the way I did Ocasio for years. I automatically put Kendall as a senior in high school. I said, this is your last year? She said, no, no, just in the 10th. Don't do me like you did Ocasio. Don't let me let me grow in time, you know. And uh, so, but truth be told, each one of them had their first week of school. I'm gonna start with you first of all. Let's go to the question: How was your first week of school? Back in back in school, now how was your first week? I didn't give them a chance to have opportunity to think about the question. I wanted to kind of catch them off guard, and I wanted them to share from their own. Experience. How how was your first week? How would you classify your first week of school? It was. You good? I like it how you have matching your shirt too. Go ahead. <laughs> Only candle. Go ahead. Um, it wasn't bad. It okay. wasn't bad. I went back to a school that I was already at. Okay. So it wasn't. It wasn't new necessarily, but because you know we were out for the pandemic for so long. Okay. It's different being around that many people again. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of overwhelming a little bit, but okay. it wasn't that bad. So going back to school since the pandemic, which was almost two years, uh, I think it's the – can we move the mic, guys? I think it's because you're right in front of the mic. Is that it? Are we good? Okay. So, so going back to school after being in the pandemic for two years at least, right. okay, it was somewhat of a challenge. Yes, sir, you had to get custom being around so many people versus being on a Zoom meeting. Right. Okay. So your first week was getting adjusted. Yes, sir. Okay. So in the adjustment, have you what challenges did you face in being in the adjustment? Um, I think like you said, it has to do with how many people are actually at school. You know, I go to a school that luckily is pretty big, so we're not always congested, but and sometimes we are, and it's it's different having to be around that many people, like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody looking at me, like, right now, like, everybody looking at me, I'm like, I'm like, hey, y'all, how y'all doing? But it's like, you know, it's different. I'm not used to this many eyes being on me. Okay, okay. Same thing at school. Okay. I guess you have to, you have to be on the stage to understand what she's talking about. Okay, let, let's ask Trey. Now, Trey, this is your first week back in school since the pandemic. Uh, you take your mask down for now. So explain, tell us what was your week going back to school? Talking to Mike. Couple of fights. Okay. Already the first week. Okay. Okay. Now, now I want y'all to bear with them. Okay. This is it's kind of nerve wracking for them to be here trying to explain. So we don't want to do a laughing, but we want to allow them to uh, elaborate at their level. So. Somebody kill that fan for me. So if, if you would tell us about this first week of school, you said it was a lot of fights. Were the fights that you started? Or what, what, what was the fights about? Um, calling Lamar bald. Oh, someone calling your brother out of his name, calling him bald-headed. How, how did that affect you? Mad. It made you mad? Were you mad because they called Mama bald-headed? Yes. Okay, where's Mama? Come here, Mama, quickly. 
Sally's Aunt Papa. <laughs> Come to the stage just for a moment. So sit, sit between, sit with your sister if you could. I mean, I'm not going to hold y'all long because I want to get into this. So your brother is troubled that your first week of school on the bus, this young kid called you, you bald head. You know, you're handsome with the haircut. You look very handsome. Yeah. And, and, and you like it. And Lala got involved too, so we'll talk about it in a minute. I think I got the right person on the stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. See, her, her mental health says, put my hands on them. Now, that, 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 that's come from being in the house with a bunch of boys. You got to defend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a mama and me, Ma. So, so Mama, when, when, the, when the other kid said that about you, how did that make you feel? It made me feel mad. Okay. Why were you mad, though? Because um, I know everybody loves my hair, but some people are just jealous, but um, I, don't, I don't care what they say about me. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that, that's, that's true and not true. He's told not to care, but he does care. He cared because he cried about it. So that's a caring. So we don't want to be in no way of fashion or denial of feelings because feelings are real. And as a child, I want you to understand the difference between what feelings are and understanding emotion. That's, that's a part of life. It's, it's, it's kind of like when someone says, um, call your names and name. When I had to go sticks and stone and break my bone, but names will never hurt. You ever heard that? You ever heard that little song? Well, let me tell you, that's not true because names do hurt and feelings do get hurt, whether it be from a child or an adult. And in this series, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that's going to probably make people uncomfortable, even with yourself, but it's going to help you down the road because your, your impression of life starts here. What happens here will determine it will be outplayed in your adulthood. So that's why we try to tell you have the best time you can as a kid. When you come in adult, reality sits in. But then I discovered reality don't sit in as an adult. It sits in at this stage because no one knows the feeling that that person but that person. So when, when he said that about you, you came home and you said, Papa, and I appreciate you trusting me. going to tell Papa what happened. And then Lala, she, she was a girl. I think she was more than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, was just, I, was, I was so angry I couldn't even stop. Get your mic, Anita. Okay. Now, 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 Lala's only in the kindergarten, so she's not like a second, third grader. She's a kindergarten, but she's able to express herself with clarity, and we appreciate that. So you want to safeguard that, that she always had that liberty to express what's going on within her because emotions are what real. So even at this moment, she still got. Auntie Bontavia going on. I feel my rage coming on. Just bringing the subject, and we appreciate that. But the truth be told is, there's something going on that needs to be repaired. That's, that, that's a, a 
part of the mental health where it needs to be lift. And, and we're going to deal with a lot of that in this, in this series. So you experienced the haircut situation, and you said you don't care, but the truth of the matter, you do care. And I want you to care to protect yourself. Because okay? if I say I don't care and I really care, it's only going to be a denial of what was really going on. We want to help you to be okay with that, okay? And by the way, you look just like your, like your papa. Your haircut look good. You know, see, I have none, but you have some. But so Trey Train, let's get back to Trey, and then we'll come to Lala. So Trey, you felt the way Lala feels in regards to the anger, correct? Yes. Are you still angry now? Yes. Why are you still angry? Give him another mic. Why, why are you still angry? Uh, Hold the mic to your mouth till he bring another mic. Because they was talking about his skin color, too. Okay. What, what was about his skin color that bothered you? My it made me. Try that mic. Try this mic here. There you go. There we go. It made, me. It made you mad? Is it on? <laughs> okay. The talk, try talking to it now. Say it, something. It may. It's, 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 on, it's on. Leave it like where it was. Just speak up. Just speak up. Let me, let me Wait, turn it off. <laughs> See, I live this every day, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Okay. Try it again. It made me mad. It made you mad. And, and why did it make you mad? Why would it make you mad when it wasn't you? Because, uh, because my mom always said I had to protect my brothers and sisters. Okay. So, now that could be a lot of pressure for you to be told to do something that is pretty much bigger than you. You should protect your brothers and sisters, but not to the point it, that you process it to the way where it causes you not to be able to, to enjoy life. So, protect family is important. But not to the point it make you angry. Because when you get angry, you may do things that you're not supposed to do, and you're protecting yourself in trouble. Okay? Sometimes your presence can be enough in protecting your family. Okay? So you experience the anger, which means you're hurting to a certain degree because someone made fun of your brother, and at one time someone challenged your sister, and it makes you feel like you had to do something as a big brother, correct? Yes. How did that make you feel? I don't know. You don't know. It's okay. You don't care. Okay. So we're gonna let Lala explain some things with her cousin. Like she got the answers. So Lala, tell her what's going on. So, uh, so when we was walking on the <laughs> on the bus, okay. So when we was walking on the bus, uh, well, someone, uh. Well, someone put, someone said, did you take his toy? But I said no. But he asked me again, but I said no. So I, um, so I, so I said I didn't, but he, but he. <laughs> Let's ask this question so we have to. But he, but he said he, he, uh, I'm a liar, so he put his hands on me. But I said stop, so he didn't stop. So I just said, have you 
you'll stop, I promise you, I will put my hands on you. Okay. So, and then, and then I felt, I felt angry. Okay. But, and then. Let me ask you a question. What do angry means to you? What does it mean to be angry? Angry. Yeah. You said you felt angry. What, what, did, what did that mean? You was bothered. It hurt your feelings. Kind so, of. so I, so I, I, so I said, do you, do you even know your, do you even know your numbers? But he said no. Okay. It's called deflecting. Now I'm gonna ask. Anita, will you come for a minute quickly? Anita, just come for quickly. And probably, will you yes, come quickly? Yes. Just for a moment. Uh, I'm going to ask you, you and you were in the school system, uh, and you once were in dealing with social, as a social worker. So w what are we hearing here based on dealing with a mental health for these children, based on what they expressed so far? As a professional, what, what are you hearing? Well, the first thing is that, you know, like, these are our babies. We love these babies. Mm -hmm. But what first come to mind to me are the kids that are calling Marmar the name. Okay. Or the ones that are bothering um, Marmar and Lala. Okay. Um, whereas they're getting the upbringing that they need to get. And the first thing... <laughs> that comes to mind is that these it's mental health, okay. possibly mental illness that are going on. I can't say for certain, but that are going on with the kids that are Don't doing me. this. Okay. And I think that we just have to be very mindful when we talk to our kids. And this is from a, um, educator perspective when we talk to our kids about how to process their feelings and how to handle these things because the old way is when someone hits you you hit them back but that will land them in Anita's office okay. or the principal's office and it can just be um a spiral effect a cycle so we need to be able to show them how to handle it in a way that's positive for them, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Counsel, how would you respond to, based on hearing what we heard of trying to express themselves? Uh, in so many words, she did express what I was going to say. It gets very difficult. It's very challenging when we raise our children in a certain way, mm -hmm. but then... Um, not showing them or modeling for them how to handle these type of interactions when they are faced with situations like that. So it brings them to where they have to kind of like come down to that level, mm -hmm. but then it's just perpetuating a cycle. So it's like we're continuing with this. And so it's uh, just kind of like showing them, okay, you can identify healthy relationships. So teaching them what healthy relationships are, teaching them about healthy boundaries. You don't have to engage in these relationships. You don't have to be in those interactions. And so uh, affirming in them that confidence, that self, uh, building up the self to where now, okay, when I'm in this situation to where I'm not interacting with them, but I'm alone. So how do I now handle this? So teaching them how to be secure and confident and how to seek out 
those that are like them. Those who don't, we don't have to conform to that just because this is what's being like the dominant behavior in this environment. Well, now, Kendall, come in a minute. Kendall expressed from the beginning returning back to school after the pandemic was challenging all these people. But there was all those people before the pandemic. But with, with absence of being with those people, it had some type of, I was an effect on her. Uh, not only her, a lot of teenagers. Okay. It, it affected a lot because they went for this period of time to where it was just them and their computer in this virtual world. Mm -hmm. And so that became like their normal. And now having to get out among all of these people, so much reactivity that they're experiencing in these situations and the lack of understanding of how do we now reintegrate them into this so that they can function. So a lot of kids now, they're in this situation, but mm -hmm. they don't even know how to function properly in school. So they're still having issues with grades and all of this stuff because it's taken a lot for them to even be in that space. As, as a grandparent, when you hear about what the, your grandchildren experience, that does affect the mental health. Come on, friend, the camera. What, what has gone through your... You know, reinforcement or giving redirection, but I also want to be in a reality world. You got some folk out here, as much as you want to redirect your positive energy someplace and, and do the right thing or walk away, some folk won't let you walk away. And there's a place on a line where you have to defend yourself. That there is that line, you know. And so I, I understand, like, well, if, like I was just explaining to our oldest grandson uh, earlier today uh, in the office, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, you have friends that you want to be with, but if they're not treating you well, that's a friendship you got to be willing to let go of. You know, you don't want friends so bad that you'll take all of their junk, you'll take all of their criticisms, all of their belittling or put-downs and all of that just to say, well, I'm hanging with the crew. You know, you got to be willing to be okay with just being just you and maybe maybe one other and be okay with that because if you let people treat you badly, you're training them to treat you badly and they will continue to treat you badly. And so that's, that's, that's the kind of thing. But there's a place there where, you know, and like I said, mm -hmm. you know, I, and I'm going to be transparent um, but when there comes to a, a, a certain place where you have to defend yourself from bodily harm defend yourself and we'll handle the rest of it in the, in the back end we'll talk we'll be with you through the process of how we even got here so I think this is just a like when we came up it was a different kind of handling Different kind of, these kids now, just for likes, just for likes, they will bully and harm and jump on. I saw this one video where this one child had um, a disability. They videotaped this guy just giving him a beatdown. Now, he didn't ask for that. This is just their way of getting views. And see, that's the kind of stuff that, to me, there, there's got to be uh, some, what we do, we teach and we train our children the right way to do. And like this, like the Bible said, there's a time for everything. There's a season. Mm -hmm. And so that when you say stop, 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 and then at some point to 
safeguard your health, you might have to defend yourself. So, so that's so, my thought. So bullying, I, I say bullying does affect the mental health does. of a of a person mm-hmm. in how ways, in what ways? How would you just because we obviously see that. It's, it's bullying already on the rise. Definitely. Um, so we can't say for each individual person how it affects them because we all process information differently. Mm-hmm. But we can say that it does impact your mental health. Okay. I think you're about to say something, Dollar. I was just going to say, in addition to us having to teach like math and science and reading and English, now we have to teach social emotional learning. And so it's not just my job to teach Marmar um, his multiplication. Now I have to go in and make sure holistically, looking at it from a holistic point of view. Now I can't speak for all educators and what I'm sure my sisters in here are the same, but in my class I try to foster a culture that it, I'm, I'm stopping this day one. We are a family. We are here together. When they go up to the board, you know how it can be so, um, they can be so nervous going up to the board. They're, the class is supporting them. Go Marmar, go Marmar, as he working out the problem. They are a family. And that's what I try to cultivate with the children that I touch. And so it's not just them going to school to do academics, but now, because like Kendall said, you know, all these people looking at me. So how do they solve these type of problems? We work with them. Our counselors come in to work with them because at the end of the day, I may not look at Lil Johnny's boot bag every day to see what he got in there, what type of, you know, weapon or whatever. We just don't know what, what they're faced against. But all we can do is just try to give them the tools to be able to solve those problems in a way that's not harmful. So how do you think the church should have its role in dealing with mental health, starting with the children? How, how should we be involved? Well, first we teach and we train. And then we, we, and this is another thing about church kids, you got to exemplify what you're being taught. You've got to demonstrate what you're being taught. Um, I do know that, you know, something begets itself. Kindness begets kindness. You know, love begets love. Like, don't be a part of the picking right. on La-la. people. Don't be a part of the, uh, she's sleepy? No. Uh, don't be a part of the, the, um, the acting out when someone goes up to the board and other kids are laughing at this child don't be a part of the laughing just to be along with the crowd you got to you got to be willing to do the right thing in in the public place mm-hmm. you know and whatever makes you feel bad you got to know don't do that to somebody else mm-hmm. that's the that's the stuff that our kids have to learn to be bold in because ultimately the crowd will uh will create the atmosphere so to speak and so if we you know, look down on bullying, then it could be a beginning of this thing maybe making a turnaround because ultimately um, it does form you. Mm-hmm. You know, it does form your psyche. Like you said, Anita, all of us have different responses and reacts. Some people shrink and become very, you know, uh, you know, re- reserved and others become violent. They may act out that being bullied, so they may bully. So it's just kind of a depending on the child or the person that's being, you know, 
handled. So let's go back to our title again. Um, uh, who's back there? Okay, go, go back to the opening of our title, and I want you to see the first slide, which is, um, keep going back up. Okay, we're talking about advocating for children's mental health. What are you pouring as a parent? It's a question for the parents because these children have a deposit that comes from you at the house. So when they go to the school, when they go into the social world, whatever's poured at the house is what's going to be carried out in the public. And I think so often as parents, we, we, we neglect understanding that your words are powerful. For instance, you know, that particular one, it got you know, different symbols within the, in, uh, of the brain. The brain is it's one thing would not affect them going to parents to be mindful of what they pour into their children. It's extremely important because that, like you said, that is what, what shapes them. And it's important to know that it's not only what you say or what you teach them. They don't have the filters that we have as adults. So all of this information comes at them and they're just trying to process it in the best way that they know how. And uh, you can say one thing, but they may grab a total different message. We do that as adults. So it's not only in what you say and what you do. It really is about what message they grab from mm -hmm. it. It really doesn't matter what you say. So the, the message that they grab, that's the part that they process. And unfortunately, when we leave it to ourselves, it can naturally go into that negative way of thinking. We will negatively process this information. And so if this is what they carry with them, not ever having that time that we sit down and we get into this conversation, what we're talking about, like, well, how did it make you feel when I said this and that? You know, we don't a lot of times do this as parents. So you don't really know, like, whatever you said, how they process that. And this is what they carry on with them. This is what forms their beliefs. This is what shapes the way they view themselves, the way they view people, and the world around them. And this is what, in my field, we work to try to break this stuff. You know, and I'll be transparent. As you and I was talking this morning, I've shared this testament before. Uh, my mother, you know, when my father died, uh, I was 18 months old, so I never knew my biological father. Though we were financially a well-established family, but uh, I recall this particular gentleman that was at the house that morning when I woke up, and I goes to, I was probably mom of the age of younger, and I go to this guy, and, I, and, uh, and he give me this comfort because I always wanted a father in the house because my father died. So I say to this guy, uh, I said, can I ask you a question? And he picks me up, sits me on his lap, which number one was comforting. I said, would you be my father? Would you be my dad? He looks at me, he looks around, see was anybody coming. He looked me right in my face, he said, hell no. Now, even though I never told my mom that as a kid, but at 48 years old, still feel the pain of that. That's why it's important when it comes down to men being in the life of a child that may not be yours, what you say and what you do can determine his future. Now, doesn't have to be a male factor. It can be a male factor. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah it can yeah. be a female factor. You know, it's just what you allow. I always say this. Children are formed by the touch. Whatever that touch is, there there's an imprint. Life will touch us all and it just depends on how that child like you said processes that touch that will determine their outcome and that, as to what type of adult they'll be. And so a lot of times that's what mental health 
field is dealing with, like you said, is either no, uh, taking that twisted view of that touch of what happened to that person as a child. The scripture talks about it, it says, we are formed and shaped in iniquity. You know, at birth is the beginning process of our forming. Mm -hmm. And so based on how we are touched, and when I say touched, I'm not necessarily talking physically, but I'm talking about in our mental capacity as well. How we're touched is how we are developed. And in a lot of cases, it's, it's a, it's, it could be a wrong touch and a bad touch, and it, it deforms us and causes us to be twisted and crooked because okay. we've been touched or we've been impressed upon in, an, in, a, in a negative way. Okay. I think you're about to say something, darling. I, um, and I'm not trying to get on the women or whatever, but I often say that mean moms make mean girls. And what I mean by that is that Jada and Iyana are looking at how Anita and I interact. Rara and Cole, they're looking at how me and Tiff interact with each other. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Like they're looking at how we handle things. They're looking at how we treat each other. So when they go to school, that's all they know. And when somebody's trying to, I may ask a child, do your mama let you talk to your brother like that? Yes, ma'am. Well, in here, we can't do that. We can't do that. Like we have to model the behavior for them to see because I can say Iyana go wash clothes, but if I've never taught her how. So if I've never taught her how to treat her classmate or the person that she comes in contact with, she won't know. So we have to model the behavior. And I, I say it all the time, mean moms make mean girls. When you, when you see that, they're seeing their mom in action. And I've been guilty of that. So I, I want to make sure that, like my kids know, you don't hurt each other. You love on, your, you love on each other. Don't talk about each other. Help each other. Y'all are in here for the same thing. And if we can just spread that, that type of culture, if we can foster... When we have the kids that we have influence over, if we can foster that, then we won't have these problems where kids feel like, you know, they have to, they have to get them up off them. They backed up in a corner, so they have to get them up off them. Thank you guys so much. Y'all may come down quickly. Can you bring my podium back up uh, forward, please? Let's give them a hand clap. Thank you for your, for your, for your words. Hallelujah. Good stuff. Good stuff. We can move this and bring the polling back up. I appreciate it. So it's, it's a lot going to be shared in this particular family series. I wanted to start with the children. I want to stay within the time frame of our time. Let me get a sense. How does it temperature? Is it comfortable? If it's too cold, uh, let me know so they can uh, make an adjustment. We want you comfortable during this process. Thank you so much. Give me one of those, those balls, the tennis balls. I, I would say our mental capacity is kind of like this. It's up and it's down. Sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out. And the process that many of us go through in dealing with childbearing or children is sometimes we forget when we were children. We forget how we were treated, how we were taught to, how uh, people relate to us. In my school time coming up, you know, if you try to talk to your parent, it was classified talking back. But really, the child was trying to relate to the parent what was going on the inside of them. 
So the child is forced to not speak, which now that child going to conclude a seclusion, and there's a whole lot of eternal damages going on because that child was not permitted. How many can bear with that? A whole lot happened could have been prevented if you had been permitted to talk. Just talk. And I, and I encourage all parents, allow your child to uh, express themselves respectfully to allow them to say what's going on. If you cut them off and you shut them down, they'll stop talking to you and start talking to somebody else. The only danger about it is they talk to the wrong people. Are you learning something? So uh, today we're talking about what are you pouring as a parent. So this kind of geared toward the parents, and I want you to hear my heart. The word advocate is defined as a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. I want to be uh, put in stone. I am advocating for mental health for the family. I want the family in the battle of Christ to be made whole. Not on the assumption that people are good. But make sure people are good. And all the advocate, that means you got to get involved. And there are so many organizations that advocate for cancer, they advocate for uh, save the animals. You know, if, if I'm hungry and he run by, we're going to eat him. So I'm an advocate eater. <laughs> some things you can advocate for, something you got to take down. Then the word mental health, I want you to look at the word mental health. I want you to define the word mental health with me. Let's read. It is a state of uh-huh. Wait, wait, wait. I want everybody to read together. If, you, if the word's too big, just, just be quiet. But just everybody read together, all right? Okay, this read. A state of emotional Everyday life requires mental health. Now, Anita, if you would, define mental illness so we can get a separation of mental health versus mental illness. So, mental illness is something that impacts your mental health. Okay. Okay. Now, is it possible that children can be depressed? Do children have anxiety issues? Well, whatever you have had, whatever you have in an adult, generally, more generally, it can result from what, as a child. You learn to cope, even as a child, with some of these challenges. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 to 15, very interesting scriptures that Jesus addresses the disciples who had good intention, but the intention was going to cause the damage of opportunity for children. And it says in Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15, Amplified verse, it says, Then children were brought to Jesus so that he might place his hands on them for a blessing and pray. But the disciples reprimanded them. The disciples reprimanded the parents that were trying to bring their children to be touched by the Savior. But he said, Jesus, leave the children alone and do not forbid them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after placing his hands on them for a blessing, he went on from there. Here Jesus is rebuking his own disciples because they were preventing the parents from bringing the children who needed him just to lay hands on them. Again, it's like being a parent. Your child is trying to come to get something, 
but you're too occupied with other things that you don't give your child what their needs are. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. This is very important for the fathers, and we'll talk about the mother at some point. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, Amplified Version says, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they would not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with the spirits broken. It's very important as a parent that what you pour into your children at whatever phase or stage they're in, whether it be in the adolescent stage, uh, as, as, a, as a young child, teenage uh, level, or college level, what you pour into them, what you say to them, can dictate, dictate the future. So Colossians is reminding us of the writer of Paul. He said, be careful how you treat them, because if you don't treat them right, they'll grow up with a deformity of life. It'd be hard for them to comprehend, hard for them to trust, because the greatest impact come from a parent and what you give to them now will determine where they go tomorrow we as an adult can go back and look back over our lives as children can remember some things that were said or done to us by our parents that weren't always culturally uh, acceptable y'all gonna be mighty quiet today because if you humiliate a child and he get accustomed to that in the home he'll be accustomed to that in the, in the real world he would not be a difference or she not be a difference, the difference between what's happening at home, what is accepted at home, and what is accepted in the world. The Bible says, train up a child the way he should go, that when he's old, that what he has learned from you will not depart. So if Paul addresses this subject matter. He says, fathers. Why does he say fathers? He's talking about because we men supposed to be lead our families. We are the hero to the son. We're the hero to the daughter. We're the hero to the son because he wants to be like his dad. We're the hero to the daughter because she's protected by the dad. And if the father doesn't give that protection by what he says and what he does, it literally would uh, cause the child to lose heart. How many as an adult remember having losing heart as a child in a sudden situation? The spirit was broken. Again, mine was broken because the guy said, hell no. At a moment, I needed someone to say yes. I didn't need finance. I didn't need toilet. I had more than that. I didn't need more sugar. I had plenty of that. I just needed someone to show a hero in my life. And because he didn't show that, I didn't see no men as future heroes. So I had to become my own. And become my own became challenging because I never saw the hero in no one else. But what I saw on television was his fantasy. Wow. It says, with demands that are trivial or unreasonable, some things are not worth doing to a child. Some things just, it's not worth. Train up a child. Encourage him, her. Build them up in their most precious faith. Encourage them that they can be whatever they want in life. Show them the way that life can be by being a positive role model. Because a role model to a child is the best thing a child can have. Every young man, male factor, always say, my daddy can beat your daddy. And you know his dad only 5'4", 138 pounds wet, can beat Barry Brown back down. But in the eyes of the child, my dad can beat everybody. How many of you young men remember saying that my dad can beat your daddy? 
Yeah. We never said my mama could beat your mom. We didn't put mom in that situation. We only put daddy. My daddy can't beat your daddy. Knowing your daddy can't win. However, but Paul, again, he says, fathers do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial, unreasonable, or humiliating. To humiliate a child is very detrimental. To be verbal or physical abuse to a child is, a, is, a, is detrimental. Now, the Bible says to uh, spare not the rod because they're crying. Sometimes we think the first reaction to discipline is to physically put your hands on a child. But the first action we actually should have with a child is to have a conversation. A conversation get information. A whipping only going to delay what could have been resolved. Only to repeat it again because if I tell you, uh, if I have a conversation with you about this, now I can find out what's going on with you. And we understand as children, we were children, there were things going on in our lives that our parents did not have did no knowledge of. Is it, will it be obvious that what you didn't give as a child, you would give as an adult? It's ignored by favoritism or indifference. Only way, treat all children the same because they're all looking at you the same. So they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated because children doesn't take much for a child to become unmotivated based on where they've been treated. If you treat with love and kindness, love and kindness will be displayed. As you stated earlier, that mean moms create mean girls. And what that means to me is that if you have that, uh, uh, what we call mean girl spirit, yeah, little girls, but chances are they got it from the older female version of what they saw. Talking about sister so-and-so, that's, that's a mean girl. Thinking you better than sister so-and-so, that's mean girl. You got certain certain kind of clothes that was put on a credit card which you don't know about that's mean girl so no favoritism so he's talking to the father he says don't show favoritism with your children treat them all the same we look at the history of Joseph uh, he was thrown into a well because his dad chose to choose him better treat him better than he chose to treat all the other brothers and Joseph wanted to be in the, in the well that now eventually gets sold into slavery by going to Egypt only to be the future provision for his family. But wouldn't it be nice that Judah could be the provision for his family without being thrown in the well? How many of us have been thrown in the well? So here we have, he said, favorite to our indifferences, treat them tenderly with love and kindness. I treat all my grandchildren the same with love and kindness. I make sure that the things I say to them, what I do for them, I do it for all. When their birthday comes, we celebrate all their birthdays. So then when they grew up one day, they said, I remember my papa treating us a certain way. Though I wasn't, I'm not their biological father, grandfather, but I treat them like they're my biological grandchildren. I don't know the difference. Unless you told me they were, and I don't know the difference because they're all the same to me. Because discouragement is a reality. We all have experienced discouragement as children. Now we just discourage adult children. Our spirit has been broken as children. Now we have spirit broken as adults. When do we fix the situation? When do we come to realization that this is not the way life's supposed to be? How do we change the dynamics of how we treat people if we keep treating people the way we were treated? A broken spirit, a country heart, he would know why I cast away. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6, a very interesting scripture of the writer himself. He says, train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he's old, he would not depart from it. So whatever you teach a child now, 
in the home he or she would be when they would come in the door. Oh, they at least remember what my mama told me. How many remember saying that? My mama told me this. Even though it wasn't right, but mama told me this. So train up a child in the way he should go. Seek him. Teach him to seek God's wisdom. And the will for his abilities and talent. Every child has a talent and ability that is different. You have five crumb snatchers. All five of the crumb snatchers have a different talent and different ability. You should always praise them for their talents and their abilities. They may not be what you were hoping to be. You can be a cheerleader. Don't try to make her a cheerleader. You can hold a football. Don't try to put one in his hand. He may want to play a violin. So don't train them in the wrong way. Otherwise, don't try to live your life through your child. Remember, you the hero, not them. So he says, the rod, go to verse Proverbs 29, verse 15. This deals with the discipline of a child. He said, the rod and reproof, godly instruction, give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. The rod and reproof, godly instruction, give wisdom. Yes, a child should be disciplined in two ways. One is the way of information. Second, if it requires physical encouragement. Not to the point that you break the spirit. Not to the point you put wounds or bruises on them. The safest place to discipline a child is called the derriere. The split of the nation. If you hit it, they'll come together real tight. <laughs> yeah. But not to the point that they can't sit. See, some discipline that parents do, remember what you point to your child would, do, would determine what they do to their children. So a discipline means I instruct you with information to help you understand life. And with life requires sometimes a physical discipline. But that discipline should not be well. They can't function. Shouldn't put them in the hospital. Shouldn't put them in the office where the, the school determined that there's something going on more than what needs to be happening. But time I advocate for mental health because when a child always flinching, something's going on. Y'all not listen to me. I should be walk up on your child and they flinch. That means something more going on. Behind the scenes, that should be happening. It's quiet. But a flinch don't always mean something's happened to them, but it does have some triggers to it. So the rod of reproof, godly instruction, give wisdom. So you had a rod of correction, reproof information, give godly instruction. How many know a, a good, safe weapon would put you to sleep to rest from your trouble and misery. The Bible says drive the food out of a child. But also learn that sometimes as a parent, when you point to your children, it's a certain look you can give your child that they know you need to stop. How many ever had that look as a parent? You know, you are cutting up. They, and you trying to feel like you trying like you don't see them. Like you just look around your parent, but you know you already know trouble's in the making. So the rod and reproof is the important factor of life, a development of a mental health, a good mental health, is that your children know that when you discipline, you love them. 
Don't say I'm whooping you because I love you. Don't say that. I'm, I'm disciplining you because I want to protect you. But he said the child that, that's left alone can bring shame to his mother. Parents, be careful how you treat your children. Otherwise, a child that gets his own her way can be a trouble in the future. Sometimes you have to tell your children no. Put them in the finest clothes don't make them a better child. Buy them everything they want don't make them a good child. If not careful, they become into a mindset of entitlement that creates more Joseph behavior. You can't give one child a gift and don't get the other child. Are y'all praying for me? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 4, very interesting here. He says, he said, children, obey your parents in the Lord that is acceptable, that is set, that, I'm sorry, that is accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. So children, when your parents give you information, instruction, he says you should accept their guidance and discipline as his representative. For this is right, for obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Verse 2 says, honor, esteem, value as precious your father and your mother and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with the promise. So that it may be well with you and that you may have a long life on the earth. Verse 4, now go back to verse 3. He says, so he says to the children, he said, make sure you respect and honor your parents that your days may be long on earth. A lot of us have shortened some days on earth because we didn't respect our parents. Honor them. Honor means to make sure you recognize who they are. And honor means I honor the, the face of my father. In other words, don't forget the face of your fathers and your mothers. The most crucial thing is that children obey your parents in the Lord. Obey them. Because the day will come you wish they were here. The moment you get upset in your little childhood behavior, teenage situation, I hate my mama, I hate my dad, one day they won't be here. And you will value them being here. In verse 2, say, honor, esteem, value, and precious your father and your mother. He didn't just say honor your, your father and, and only. He said honor your father and your mother and be respectful to them. I do not like disrespectful children toward their parents. Stay out of my room. Ain't no door on that one. You don't put a sign on your door talking about don't come in. Even if you pay rent, you still gonna not put a sign that don't come in. I pay half of the mortgage. That's only half. But when a child is permitted to be disrespectful to a parent or any adult, is a disgrace within itself. Now you're affecting my mental health. Because I want you to let me help you grab them for you and he, you and I. That all our mental health will be good. You ever been in a present where a child was just acting just straight out of character? And you just saying this, Lord, I just wish. Or you look at your child, I wish you. Your child ain't doing that. I wish you. Child confused. I ain't did nothing. Don't even think about it. You won't hit that child, but you hit your child. Stop that. 
Now, child, why you hit me? I ain't did that. Because you don't have the liberty to get that one. <laughs> Just a flashback. Y'all pray for me. And then you did not say, I ain't doing that. That's a, now you're in trouble because now you got involved. You have a long life on earth. This is the key for long life children is you respect your mother and your father. You treat them with great honor and respect. They may not give you all that you desire, but they're still your parents. But then in the most crucial part of verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment and demand that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive. Nor by showing faith or indifference to any of them, but bring them up what tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and discretion of the Lord. We got a lot of responsibility, fathers. It's easy to, to say something to a child to break them, to quiet them, but it takes a real father to train them. So, so Paul is saying to the to the father, he said. Don't provoke your church to anger. Don't put it to a place of resentment because now their mental health is being impacted by the way you treated them, by what you said and what you have done to them, when you rejected them, when you denied them. And don't provoke them to anger. How many know we can do that easily? You know, I, I, I like you better like him. That's provoking. You do for this one, you don't do for that one. That's provoking. You take time with this one, you don't take time for that one. That's provoking. So do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment. Children's mental health is important. And what we say and what we do to them today will determine where they go tomorrow. All children are not college material. But if he just go get a tray, if he just go into the military, you still should compliment that child as well you compliment the one that went to college. Don't make the one that has certain capabilities to achieve what the other doesn't because whether there may be some things going on, but treat him just the way you treated that one. Because down the road, they will tell you the story. Never count somebody out because you never know what their future beholds. So you treat them right now and then whatever you do as a parent, as a mother, as a father, don't always bring up the situation of the parent with the child. Because children are affected, impacted by what happens in the home that they carry to the school. So maybe what Lala and the little ones have been impacted by what's going on in somebody's home with that child, that that child's coming to school to put it on them. In other words, deflecting potential issue with on the bus, I attack first. Who will advocate for the mental health of children? Let that question again. Who will advocate for the mental health of children? Stand to your feet. Those that will advocate for the mental health of a child, stand to your feet. It's vital, it's crucial that we make sure that whatever we can do to make the difference in a child's life it's done now. Mr. Otis Scott, the neighborhood, uh, I call him a neighborhood dad, taught me some of the most impressive stuff. Took me to the grocery store to shop. Took me to an office to work as a kid. But his imprint of what he poured into me, it works today as an adult. 
What he gave me as a kid, he wasn't my father. He wasn't involved with my mom. He was a neighborhood representative. He, he was that, old, that man in the neighborhood that would check you if you got in trouble. He was advocating for me. I didn't know it. And I want to advocate for a child doesn't require me to get the hero recognition. What you, what you do for those young boys is advocating. I mean, when you give a prophet, I mean, Dad and Mike, you know, he, he going to get some tears out of you. He going he gonna to get the story out of you as in a man, hoping that you'll go back and give it to a child. So if we're going to advocate for the children mental health, we got to get involved. Got to ask the hard questions. Parents, you, you have to take time to bring your kids to the table and have conversation. Find out where they are in their mental psyche. Don't just assume because your kid made good grades, they're good, but you don't know what's really going on inside of them. They're living in a bullet world. They're living in a survival society. And if you don't take time as a parent to advocate for your child's mental health, who's going to do it? No child should have to suffer loss because a parent did not pour into that child. If you're in the neighborhood, if you see a child that may have a certain need, why can't you take that time to pour in that child's life? I commend you educators for what you all do day by day. That, that's advocating. Fighting for the justice for children, for their mental. Because it's not like going to school to get more comfort from the teacher than you get comfort from your own mom. So who will advocate for the mental health of a child? Don't have to be your child. Just somebody's child. Don't just put every child in the category just a bad A kid. No, that child may just got some bad apples going on. And they're doing something that may not be culturally sound. Maybe your sound's confident voice can make the biggest difference. Maybe your mechanical skills can show that young kid that maybe one day how to use his hand in a proper way. Maybe your, your, your cooking skills that you do have can uh, teach that, that little girl how to do something. But understanding and hear my heart, a lot of the children, even in the church, are suffering because of mental health is not the way it's supposed to be. So, those that would commit themselves to be a part advocating for mental health church mental health meet me at the altar you're, you, you are willing to get involved you're willing to put your hands to the plow, plow, plow. you're willing to say you know what I'm going to make the difference in somebody's child's life beyond my own I'm going to look beyond my own to help somebody else I'm, I'm going to change the way I see children Stand like a broken child. Listen to me. Stand like a broken child. Because when they're broken, it breaks me. I've committed myself financially, whatever it takes, to help a child to have that mental health the way it's supposed to. I'm willing to do that. We had a little kid that comes to our food truck every now and then when the mom brings them out. And he just want mac and cheese. Just mac and cheese. 
And every time we get in the back of the chair, he just smiled and with a, such appreciative. And I know he can't afford it. But getting that mac and cheese would make him feel better. Let's give him the mac and cheese. And, and my employees know when you see him, just give him the mac and cheese. Don't, don't look for no money. He, he don't have it. Just give him the mac and cheese. Broken children become broken adults. Hurting children become hurting adults. Don't want to be religious only. I want to be able to touch somebody's life. I want someone to be able to see me. I saw Mr. Scott. I want you to pray for us. Pray that we all find ourselves at the place of helping our children, not just our children, not only our grandchildren, but any child that may need help in their mental health. Father God thank you for the open door to your throne that we could even ask you anything God thank you for reminding us that we are our brother's keeper and that whatever one's going through we are all going through as a body and so just help us to be keen and sharp and discerning of the needs of our children because like the man of God says what we are formed and shaped as children we become as adults and so God help us to help our future to help our future generation of believers help us not to repeat the addition the generational hand downs shaping and forming twisted normalcies help us God first let us see ourselves as to what we have need of Lord let us examine ourselves the way you are showing us that we can be a help one to another let not the enemy enter into our mind and our hearts to harden our hearts at the time where you are pouring into us the remedy, the blessings, the cure, the fix. Help our children. Help our future. Help our, our man of God as he delivered this word that we can go out from these four walls and then just activate in the community starting in our own neighborhoods starting in our first in our homes and then our neighborhoods and then in our surrounding neighborhoods in our schools help us to be advocates for the children the most innocent of us all oh God let us remember that what we put our hand to 
will have to live with. The children that we cast aside today will be our castaways tomorrow. Those that we are helped today will be our helpers for tomorrow. Those that we lift today will be our lifters tomorrow. Those that we ignite today will be our igniters tomorrow. Help us see our future. Help us to recognize that this is the world that we're creating is the world that we have to live in. And so whatever we seed we throw, God, help us to see that it's our harvest. So help us to Throw good seed that our harvest may be good and that our children may grow up without a twisted view of this world and a twisted view of you. We thank you, Father, for your mercy, your grace, your kindness. Use us, God. Last song that we sing, if it's nothing but a smile, let them see it in me. If it's, the, if it's just a kind word, let them, let them see you with me. Use my mouth, my hands, my thoughts, my words, so that they may know that there is a true and a living God. And that there's hope. Some of our children just need hope. Help us be a, a hope to them. Let, us, let them see in us a light that shines so bright that they have a purpose to run with a fervency. Some of our children just need a chance. Some of the children that we come in contact, they just need a chance. And if we're the chance, Lord, let us use our abilities to give them that chance. Oh, let us not look away anymore. We were all in those places where we were tucked away as children. We had no voice. We had nobody to advocate for us. But let us become what we needed. Let us become the shield, the defender, the protector, the stair step, the lock and the key. Help us, God. Help us not to dismiss them as so many do, just because they are small in voice and small in size. Help us to recognize these are our future doctors, lawyers, preachers, and Help us to recognize, Lord God, that these are our nurses that will have care for someone. These are your praise and your worshipers that we're touching. And not just in the four walls of this building, but God, those that we come in touch with, help us to understand that we have a purpose and a plan and that we need to walk it out by touching our children touching them properly forgive us God for the times that we looked away forgive us God for the times that we touched our children incorrectly in words and in deed forgive us God for not lending ear to their voices forgive us God forgive us Lord even to the children in the in the neighborhood when we're walking down the street and we just say that's not my business it is our business we are a brother's keeper and help us to remember that help us God to stay focused on your purpose and your plan for not just our lives but the lives of those in our future 
We're going to be so very, very careful to give you praise, honor, and glory for all that you do through us. And we declare your word to be true. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. I'm going to challenge all of us to do something that maybe we haven't done in a long time with our families. Sit at the same table. Put down your electronic devices. Have conversation. If it's just a husband wife, sit at the table. Don't have your electronic device. Just have a conversation. If your grandchildren, have a conversation. Just, just talk. It's not about drilling. Just having that conversation. Get to know each other. You know, technology has has impacted our mental health beyond that we know. So who would do that this way? Just just sit at the table and have a regular dinner. No phone.